Hello and welcome to the Informed Ecologist podcast. I'm Richard Dodd and in this first series I'll be outlining thoughts I've been having about the natural environment and those working in it. Over the course of these podcast episodes I'll be bringing you insight into various aspects of ecology as well as interviewing some really interesting and genuine people involved within the industry. As the shows develop, I really hope that you can get involved by providing comments and feedback and perhaps suggesting topics that we can cover in future episodes. Now, I'm sure I'll get a few things wrong along the way and therefore I apologise in advance for that. It's not my intention to mislead people, so please do bear with me and let me know if I made a genuine mistake. I'll correct that in the next episode if I can. And as a start, I thought I'd let you know who I am and my involvement with the natural environment so far. Uh, It's a pretty safe topic for me, Uh, so I'm pretty confident that um, there shouldn't be too many errors. I've been an ecologist for over 20 years and have been part of and experienced good, bad and sometimes ugly side of the natural environment and uh, those people working in it. And that's what I just want to bring out in these next few episodes So a little bit more about me, I was born in South Staffordshire on a small holding and um, wanted to be a vet. Well, I like school, but unfortunately it wasn't that great at uh, the academic side of it. So I decided to leave leave my school. Um, I say I I decided to leave, I probably was forced out to leave there, to be honest with you. So I left uh, the school, that's is back in 1989. And I'm not going to. I'm not, you could be pleased to hear that I'm not going to bore you with my complete life history. But I decided to join the army as a musician, and I spent three and a half years doing that. Decided that, yep, I didn't particularly fit in with the with the military side. Um, made some good friends there, and but it just wasn't for me. So I decided, yeah, actually, you know, now I probably do want to go back to, well, I'd like to further my studies and career. And um, I didn't see music and particularly the military side not being, not fitting into that. Brought up on a farm, as I said, on a small holding in South Staffordshire. I longed to go back to sort of working outdoors and saw that the natural environment was a place where I felt a lot more comfortable. So um, planned my sort of a exit from the military. Now I signed up for six years, so I had to sort of a think about well, okay. Well, I got done three and a half. Um, so one, oh, yeah, sorry, two and a half at that point. Uh, when we did with another three and a half, so because I had to sign up for six years, so I decided to switch careers from being a musician to becoming a veterinary technician or veterinary nurse. That went through successfully and transferred from, I was based in Germany, moved from Germany to Leicestershire, Melton Mowbray, with the Defence Animal Centre there, working as a veterinary technician, as I said, mainly on the with military dogs and horses. Now, the majority of people that were on the barracks there were dog people. Uh, well, as I say, well, dog people, as in they were dog handlers, and but we did also have a large amount of horses that came in during the winter time, and uh, uh, that was my role. I always had to handle the uh, no, handle the horses as they came in, in readiness for the veterinary surgeon then to examine them, examine them um, properly. And so I quickly learned how to undertake um, uh, livestock handling of large animals, um, particularly horses, obviously, <laughs> who don't particularly want to be handled, particularly 
uh, they're quite strong. If you've got a horse's rear leg between your legs, um, it's it's gonna it's gonna kick out a little bit. So you have to control, you know, a bit of confidence uh, and yeah, big big confidence around uh, animals like that. So that, that taught me a lot, uh, tenacity, and as well as not giving up on things. But again, you know, it's, it's still in the military. So plotted my exit, which was go to university. Now. At this point, she probably realised, oh, I don't know, didn't really, you know, <laughs> didn't didn't really have that many GCSEs, and I certainly did not have any any A levels at that point. So, and I knew that well, perhaps university they do require some A levels, you know, acknowledgement or sort of a, uh, entry level criteria. So I embarked on an well a correspondence A level biology course. Pretty found out, found out pretty soon that um, that um, it, you know it was a struggle to fit it in with my uh, part in the military as well, um, but still carried on. You know, applied for university and um, uh, to both uh, in, in universities across England and Wales. None of the universities in England, strangely, um, would uh, even you know it did even write back to me to say thank you, but no thank you. But the three Welsh universities did, so we're up in Bangor and up in North Wales, then uh, Aberystwyth University in West Wales, and Cardiff University in South Wales uh, offered me an interview uh, to come along and open days as well. So um, I didn't go to the one up in North Wales, um, sort of ruled that one out. But I did go to the one in Cardiff, first of all, the one in South Wales. That was an open day and um, just loved the, loved the place, loved the city, and after my day there, they just they get, they provided me with feedback and said that they'd like to offer me a conditional offer with a grade B for my overall biology correspondence course there. Great, uh, that was fantastic to actually get an offer uh, from the university there. About a couple of months later, or a month later, I went to over to Aberystwyth University, and if you've been to Aberystwyth at all, it's a lovely place. But uh, on this particular day, it wasn't so great, very grey. Um, Aberystwyth was quite grey itself, or was back then. And uh, even though it's a seaside town, fantastic, lovely seaside town, uh, very great day, raining as well, walking up that big hill uh, to get to the university campus. Got there, and the zoology department was split over two floors, which I didn't hear. So I was the only person being shown around. So at Cardiff University, there was, you know, 100 or so of us being shown around the university the biology sort of department there um when i got to Aberystwyth, i was the only one to be shown around which is great no personal tour so i went around there and um, saw the zoology department and they were having a um, practical uh, that that day split over two floors um so with uh, um so we've been so the, the obviously the lecturers and the demonstrators there were split over the two floors there afterwards had an interview and with some questions, and uh, I think I did reasonably well uh, answering those questions. A week later, uh, I had a, an, a letter through from uh, the uh, Aberystwyth University giving me a unconditional offer to go to Aberystwyth University. Brilliant. So that gave me the emphasis then, or the uh, impetus then to think, I say, what? Well, I'm going to university now. Yeah, we've got an unconditional offer. Well, you know, there's something in, my, in me that thinking, well, you know, I did prefer Cardiff University. Um, so I, I called Cardiff University up, the admissions tutor uh, there, and mentioned to him that um, you know, I'd, I'd love to, to go to Cardiff University. Aberystwyth University gave me an unconditional offer. Can you match it? Well, a few hours later, called back, and yep, they matched the unconditional offer for me. And um, so, so, as I say, 
that, that was it. I was on my way to Cardiff University. So I did my Cardiff, went to Cardiff University in 1995 and a foundation year. So just about past my foundation year um, there, struggled with um, earth sciences. So um, small subjects, we had to do oceanography and another small subject called planet earth. They were quite challenging subjects, uh, really, to for, for the foundation level uh, there, as well as yeah, uh, improving my mathematics, uh, chemistry, as well as uh, biology as well uh, there. I also did a little bit of Spanish, uh, which was um, um, uh, quite good. Uh, I quite enjoyed that uh, as well. Um, needless to say, I passed the foundation year and then went into the common first year then at uh, Cardiff University, Skip forward, uh, I did a placement year with the Field Studies Council at Nettlecombe Court in Somerset, and that was fantastic, really meeting some great people. Wrote my first ever management plan, ecological management plan there for the Nettleton Estate, um, for, for the Field Studies Council there, as well as working on the, some, pra- uh, some capital projects such as uh, fencing and putting in um, other you know, walkways across uh, the, uh, the estate. And uh, that's also when I led my first bat walk. It was um, it was in, it was incredible. So so <laughs> uh, really encouraged to actually participate with the groups. And the groups came in to do uh, the educational groups came in for geology or biology um, subjects. And I led uh, one of the nighttime bat walks there at uh, the, at the at uh, the Field Studies Council there. Didn't know much about bats, so I went to the library, read a book, went out the night before with a bat detector that um, the Field Service Council had, found out where some bats were along this stretch. So, you know, it was a great insight to think, I think, oh, okay, well, we'll go to the pond, you know, because I know bats like water. Uh, uh, so we went with there, but nothing really came out quite early on. And I knew this group, we wouldn't be going out for, you know, for hours on end. They were small, small children, um, probably around about the age of 10. So, uh, yeah, OK, they were on a field course, but um, they weren't going to stay up until about 11 o'clock at night uh, when they had to go out the very next day on the Quantock Hills. So um, walked a bit further around, found this avenue of trees. And, yeah, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a bat highway there. So uh, roughly, you know, got some tips of how to use a bat detector and tuning in and yeah identify they were more than likely I'm, I'm going to I'm going to assume they were going to be pipistrelle uh, there so uh, I can't remember now if they're common or soprano we really don't know or anything other but uh, um, we just said they were pipistrelle so that really really set me up there to you know learning about uh, bats I spent also fruitless nights uh, and evenings there looking for out for badger there were badgers were everywhere across the estate but um, of course you can look for them and you never find them so uh, so that caught, you know, I, I, so I just loved it there, going out just by yourself and observing that. I did a small mammal trapping exercise up in one of the woodlands as part of my project uh, that for my final year dissertation. I was on small mammal uh, trapping and efficiency, um, sort of in a, in a pheasant woodland. So whether or not supplementary feeding had an impact upon small mammal populations within a woodland. Uh, finished, finished the Field Service Council course, uh, or my placement year, uh, sandwich year at uh, Cardiff, went and returned for the final year. And then, yeah, then it was it was great. So I just finished my final year, joined the conservation volunteers. I, I did that pretty actually in the, my years one and two and managed to become the chair of the conservation volunteers. That set me up as well. I must admit, it's all, it's all little chance encounters. So that set me up with actually talking with um, people from the Wildlife Trust who 
Um, you know, we volunteer to undertake works across the estate, whether it be cutting back scrub um, or uh, putting in some fencing for them under supervision of the reserves manager at that time uh, uh, of, of, of the reserve we went to. So um, what do you do once you finish your zoology degree? So um, I, and this is going to sound a bit like a Craig David song, but I had my last exam on Monday, had an interview on the Tuesday and then started uh, started work on the following um, following Monday as well. So um, again, again, a little bit of luck, but you sort of make your own luck really. So I was living with um, a couple of people who worked for the Countryside Council for Wales as it was then. It's now the Natural Resources Wales, and they were they mentioned that they were looking for a species officer short term contract uh, over in their Cardiff office. And um, yeah, yeah, they, they encouraged me to uh, apply or to put my name forward. And yeah, that was my first encounter of providing advice uh, to members of the public on protected species. Uh, and, it, and you know, majority of it were, uh, was related to bats, but we also did uh, great crested newts, um, reptiles, um, particularly going. I remember going to an hysterical uh, person's house. Uh, who was uh, you know, adamant that um, they had they had um, a snake um, and had a um, actually inside the house itself, and so we went to investigate. So using my sort of uh, detective skills, went into the kitchen, uh, looked around the, the washing machine, looked around the back there, and yet yeah, there was a huge worm earthworm uh, at the back there so it wasn't it wasn't a snake so i was a little bit disappointed we didn't i didn't get to actually see a snake i don't know what i would have done because uh, the, you know they, she did say an adder and i was completely uh, uh, and unprepared to actually <laughs> deal with a, a, an adder if it did actually appear but um yeah i think i managed to pick up the said earthworm and um relocate it my first translocation um back into the garden much to the delight of actually the the lady of the uh, of the household there, but there was there, there was some great. I mean, perhaps that I'll save that for another podcast about uh, the sort of uh, uh, you get called out to certain households and either the people you deal with are real characters or the scenario which you thought was going to be a disaster turns out to be quite comical. So uh, I think I'll save those ones. But uh, yeah, it could put me in good light to uh, providing you know, providing advice. I'd love giving advice to people. I, I, I like edu- I, I like being educated myself. I like being, you know, taught things and um, trying to find out things. Hence, doing this, the informed ecologist, 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 uh, informed ecologist podcast. Really, so uh, yeah, it just fits in quite nicely with what I like to do. I say I'm quite passionate about uh, the natural environment, and I think that that's uh, hopefully that will come across in these episodes. But so yeah, skipping forward a few years, I left the the, the uh, countryside council for Wales and applied for a job with the Wildlife Trust, the Glamorgan Wildlife Trust as it was then, as their reserves officer. Again, managing nature reserves across um, South Wales, Glamorgan. Been there for a couple of years and then applied for the reserves manager position over in West Wales, Ceredigion, um, over in Tyvee Marshes. Again, that horse handling in the army did actually come into into actually some use because uh, actually managing uh, a large uh, water buffalo across on the manage- on, on the Tybee Marshes Nature Reserve. So that was, that was really interesting. And going to the Royal Welsh Agricultural Show uh, with them as well, so driving the horse box across there and, and getting them out in the other end and providing, obviously, yeah, working with the Wildlife Trust, 
advice on the stands there to um, all sorts of people, farmers and, and you know non non agricultural people, just everyone who just loves going to an agricultural show. Really, opportunity arose then whilst I was living on the nature reserve. I was uh, yeah, just uh, I think twenty, no, I was late twenties now. Uh, well, actually early thirties. So just turned thirty and living on the nature reserve. And uh, opportunity arose to attend a talk, a presentation by the Bat Conservation Trust over in Aberystwyth. Went along, um, but it was something to do. There's not much to think, not many things to do over in West Wales if, uh, you know, there's not many people across there of the same age as you, really. So I went across to Aberystwyth and uh, uh, listened to the talk, and they mentioned about this Welsh Bat Officer position that was coming up. So I thought that was interesting. Applied for that. Went for the inter- got, got an interview, went for the interview, uh, and uh, was lucky enough to secure that position then as the first um, bat officer for Wales and uh, spent you know, three great years working with the Bat Conservation Trust, um, finding an office. I had to find an office in, with my budget then, which we, uh, they took me back to sort of Cardiff, and uh, which I loved, you know, going back to sort of um, the, the university where I, you know, I, I didn't know Cardiff quite well. After that, I've decided that I could stay on with the Bat Conservation Trust. It's a great organisation, really supports you. We do some great work there with them as well, agriculture and environmental schemes, policy and advocacy. But I thought, uh, you know, I'd like to get in a bit, bit more secure in my own position, really, because it was every three years to be fundraising for that position. So I called a friend who was a consultant uh, over in South Wales, met him, had a conversation, and they offered me a job then working with them as their senior ecologist as well. Um, I had a back license at that point. And that's another podcast, getting getting back licenses and uh, people who, uh, who you work with or volunteer with. And sort of, um, you know, some people, I, I say I won't get into it now, but some people just treat uh, that, uh, you know, I'm not going to give you a back license because you're going to use it as a consultant. Anyway, you know. I think a little bit of maturity is involved, you know, is required. Really, we're all working to the same ends, uh, or majority of us are. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I train anyone, consultant, non-consultant. It doesn't really matter to me as long as um, the bats are getting um, some um, some loving uh, from what we do. Really, anyway. So, yeah, um, uh, we joined the consultancy. That's my first dabble into the private sector. Again, a few years later, an opportunity arose. Then I met with my well, we met with Richard Crompton from Wildwood Ecology and we had a conversation and decided that I'd very much like to join him as a partner uh, with uh, with the company as he was moving to back from where well, he was living in Aberystwyth. I knew him Richard for a few years. Uh, he's moving to Cardiff and we, as I say, so we, we joined forces and um, I came on board as a director with uh, Wildwood Ecology. This is back in 2000 there and um, yeah we, we loved it you know growing the company we, you know, we took on that taking on our first employees growing the business um, expanding it from you know not just west wales to south wales over to you know over to england as well so um, you know we, we saw some great um, uh, developments in the company there taking our turnover you know increasing the turnover increasing the profit and um, dealing with uh, members of the yeah, well, a staff issue, you know, every, 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 everything that came along with running a small business. So, you know, I, I do, I think I'm, I think I've gone through virtually most, uh, well, I think I've gone through quite a lot of procedures with small companies, of setting them up, growing them, and um, dealing with 
HR, uh, I think that's uh, and then finance is, is another thing as well. So great that you've got skills as an ecologist, but one thing they don't teach you at university uh, are management skills, and whether that managing people or managing budgets as well. So you know, two different completely sets of, sets of skills there. But I think one skill that you can learn, oh, well, those are all skills you can learn, sorry. Um, another skill you can learn as well is, um, you know, your drive. Uh, so as in, you know, what you want to achieve, goal setting and, and think about, I tell you, that's the direction I want to go in. How do I get there? And setting those objectives. How do I get there? Um, what's the time frame? What do I need to achieve it? And uh, working towards that. So I'm very big into sort of a, objective setting and you know goal settings as well so that's really helped me um achieve it's same as like running you know i do a little bit of running and yeah if i if i haven't got a half marathon to aim for i probably won't do much but you know if i've set myself a, a challenge of undertaking a half marathon i'll train and um so you know it's a, the, the, <laughs> it's a it's a strong motivator for me really uh, that was uh, really so yeah so goal setting can help you in you know in your sort of business career as well as your personal career as well obviously your personal development so anyway that's enough of me i think i've uh, talked long enough about uh, what i've done um but in these podcasts i mean we all know how important the natural environment is you know where um, i think uh, Especially of late, we've we've seen some some, some let's talk about the the bad side, the ugly side of it. Obviously, uh, netting of hedgerows has been in the press and been drawn to our attention quite recently. Now, this has been going on for you know, obviously quite a few years, but uh, the, the number of developers or number of people that are actually putting in these nets has just rocketed in the last year. I mean, this, obviously the media bring it to attention, but um, it, it's, I think it's galvanised. Actually, there's, there's, there are some practices that we do uh, and some practices that, that people do that are actually abhorrent. And, you know, putting in nets to um, save time um, is just... Uh, you can see the reasons behind it. Uh, and if it's implemented correctly, you can see that yeah, it's a viable solution, uh, really. Um, you know, if you want, if you don't want to, you know, if, if avoid, you know, I suppose it's an avoidance measure, uh, really. But rarely are these putting correctly, and I mean rarely. You know, I say oh, 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 majority putting correctly. No, rarely are these putting correctly. And if they are, and those ones that are putting correctly, are they actually monitored adequately as well? A statement's come out from a joint statement between SIEM and RSPB on uh, mechanisms to. Uh, to address uh, the, the, some of the issues like that, as in attendance, free time, you know, th- three times a day until um, actually the works are carried out. So, uh, you know, from from an um, incentive point of view, I think it's better to um, just undertake those checks um, by a competent ecologist um, you know, rather than spending X amount of money per day uh, of supervision. So you, people are going to go cut corners, aren't they, really? So... The best thing is that trying to find a, a sensible solution to um, uh, dealing with uh, or uh, you know issues related to ecology. But yeah, I think the, why am I doing this? These podcasts. Well, you know, it, I've, I've refound the netting. It gives you an example. Really, quite passionate about um, doing the right thing uh, for the natural environment. I mean, because it, it gives us so much. You know, so uh, you know, we. I think we all. We all take for granted um, that, you know, we, what do we get from the natural environment? We get clean air, fresh water, wholesome food, 
spectacular natural landscapes and wildlife. Uh, we get seasonality, resources, and opportunities to make um, my life and you know everyone's life more comfortable and enjoyable. And um, so, what's not to like or love about natural environments? So that, that's hence me discovering or rediscovering my why of what I do things um, there. And um, there's an article I've written on LinkedIn and also um, put it up on the, the blog site as well, theinformedecologist.uk. So have a read of that. Please make a comment uh, uh, about it as well. They're, being, they're interesting and uh, to hear from, from yourselves. So I'm going to cut this short now. So I've spent a few minutes talking about myself. Uh, I do apologise for Bramblin' Don. I, I, I may pop up with some more anecdotes of what I've done and completed in the past as well but more importantly I'll be going out and interviewing some great people um, looking at some top you know topical issues related to ecology as well either those I say either those working within the ecological sector uh, those who are working for the ecological sector or, or just people in with a passion for the natural environment as well so uh, please bear with me and any topics you'd like to, to consider please do let me know um, put I say subscribe to the podcast like it and share it as as, as, uh, as well uh, with the hashtag the informed ecologist I think we'll use that as the hashtag there uh, so thanks very much for listening and if you do have any questions or comments on today's podcast or suggestions for future episodes that you or others would desperately want to hear about, then please do get in touch and let's have some fun doing it. Uh, I'll do my best to answer as many queries as I can. In the meantime, please make sure you subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode.